Welcome to the Filmmaker Mixer podcast. My name is Andrew, and I'm joined alongside my co-host, Jeff, as always. Today, we have an actress, Leah Knauer. Leah talks about acting, improv, and living the life of an artist in Los Angeles. Hello, everybody. This is the Filmmaker Mixer podcast, and tonight we are chatting with Leah Knauer. Leah is an actress, a comedian, a podcaster. Her credits include Not Safe with Nikki Glaser, The Real Murders of Orange County, Kevin Smith's Jay and Silent Bob reboot. And, you know, I have to say, Leah, you and I have not met in person, but we connected through social media. You started following the podcast and, you know, we started following all of your work. And I have to say, what I've seen is you have such a great energy and attitude about what you do, you know, being an actor and an artist. And for that alone, I'm excited to have you on the show. So welcome to the show. Thank you. I so appreciate that. And I'm excited to talk more about that with you guys. Of course, of course. Um, well, I always like to start with, you know, my typical question because, you know, I grew up, you know, making little movies with my friends and I got interested in storytelling, gosh, when I was just a very, very small child. So how did that start for you? How did you get interested in acting, filmmaking, storytelling? How did that start? Oh my gosh, I've wanted to be an actress since I was six years old. I was cast as the Virgin Mary in my church's Christmas play. I was the star, I was the lead, Um, not a big deal. And yeah, after that, I totally had the acting bug. And in elementary school, I had a lot of solos. In middle school, I, I grew up in Philadelphia. Um, so I started going to John Robert Powers and really kind of training in modeling and acting. And um, my high school superlative was most likely to be in high school musical four. So you can <laughs> see it was kind of like an always like everyone knew that is what I want to do. It's there's never been anything else. And I'm so grateful that I am doing it and I get to do it. So what uh what what were your kind of beginning stages like getting into the acting world, the filmmaking world? Did you make the jump to LA before you had gigs lined up or were you already kind of a working actress in Philadelphia before you made the jump to LA? Great question. I would not say I was a working actress. Um, so I have kind of a crazy journey, crazy story of how I even got to LA. Um I, like I said, wanted to be an actress, but my parents really wanted me to go to college. And I applied to USC, UCLA, Pepperdine, like every school in LA just to be in LA. And I didn't get into any of them, but I got into University of Colorado at Boulder. So I was like, well, it's it's the closest I can get. So I went there and I was so miserable. Then I ended up going to rehab. My parents sent me to rehab for alcohol because um, I almost died twice from drinking. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so then I went to rehab in Pennsylvania. And then I moved to New York when I was I had just turned 19. And that was to kind of show my parents like, I'm not an alcoholic. I was just very fucking depressed. Um, I'm assuming I can curse. I just did. Oh, sure. Um, okay. <laughs> too late um, now. <laughs> yeah, too late. Um, but yeah, went to went to New York, tried it out. Everything went great. And that was my first time auditioning, like in real life, in the business, first exposure to it. Um, and then I moved to LA when I was 19, just three months later. And yeah, no gigs, no line, no, no jobs, no agents lined up. Um, kind of just moved to LA knowing literally one person and I've been here 12 years. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. 
you know, I had a friend who, uh, an actor who moved to LA and this was a few years ago. And, um, this, there was this thing you could do at the time where you could get, you know, a photograph printed on a cake and he took his headshot and he made a bunch of cakes with his face on it and it oh took, it to, took it to all the casting directors. And you did something kind of crazy. If I understand <laughs> you were, you were tweeting Kevin Smith and. Yeah. Wait, now, I, now I want to know more. We'll get to that. I want to know more about <laughs> the cakes. Did it work? You know, he, he, he was, he went back. Um, they called one of the casting agents called him back and he went in and he said, I was really happy they called me back, but they were eating me. And I just, <laughs> it was kind of awkward because they're like eating this cake and they're, um, but yeah, he made That's a lot showbiz, of That's showbiz, kid. Uh, That's showbiz. You'll get eaten, eaten alive. Yeah, but uh, no, it, it worked out okay for him, I guess. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I think stuff like that, people have different opinions. Some people think that stuff is desperate or crazy looking. I love stories like that. Um, yeah, I in 2015, 2016, I found out that Kevin Smith was set to shoot Mall Rats 2 at a local, you know, he's from New Jersey, I'm from Pennsylvania, so we're not far from each other. He was shooting at a mall in Pennsylvania that literally I got arrested for shoplifting at. So I was like, <laughs> I have to be in this movie in the mall. So I started tweeting at him half as a joke. And then it got to day like 24 and everyone that was following me on Twitter, on Facebook, they were all like in on it and needed it to continue. So I was like, okay, I guess, I guess I'm doing this. And I did it for 278 consecutive days. Oh, wow. And that's how I got into the movie. Is it, so is this prior to you moving to LA or is this uh, afterwards? I was in LA at this time. Um, so I was doing stand-up and improv and I wouldn't say things were like particularly going anywhere. You know, it's really hard. Those first, I would say the first 10 years are hard. You're, you're, if you have no connections, you're, you're building relationships, you're building your craft. Um, so I was doing all of the things and yeah, I'm glad that I took that chance and took that risk. It's, well, what it's was still so surreal. What was that like? I mean, getting on a show that way when you finally got on set was it weird what was what was it like it was weird it was surreal <laughs> it was like i can't believe this worked and that i did this <laughs> and that kevin never blocked me um and he was so nice as soon as he saw me on set we made like eye contact that was like a knowing like what the fuck <laughs> and he hugged me and he was so cool and um, yeah, he was that probably was just first... making sure you weren't, weren't. He just probably wanted to know you weren't dangerous. <laughs> yes. Well, we did meet in person before I had come to set, and I think that did put him at ease. Like, okay, she's not, she's not psycho. She's just, you know, a little ballsy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, staying on the LA topic too. When you first moved there, I'm curious if you have like one of those for you, like you know, those memorable welcome to LA stories, whether it be just living there or maybe like kind of your memories of maybe the first gig you booked or that first moment you knew you were kind of you know the you know the gears were turning you were kind of making it as an actress oh my gosh do I have a story for you um so I moved to LA and I was like I'm gonna start booking acting roles so where's the best place to find acting roles Craigslist <laughs> so I I stupidly went on Craigslist and I started applying for these jobs and one of the first things I ever booked um I was going to play a saleswoman in a scene it was going to shoot for two hours fifty dollars and to me at the time like 
oh my god ballin I've like <laughs> made it this is so cool and the day before I was supposed to show up to set I googled the projects and was like oh I'm so curious like what it is if they've already started shooting or anything um it was called I still remember it was called the revenge of the petites so I was like oh it sounds like pretty little liars or like mean girls that kind of vibe <laughs> Literally, I look it up and it's a porn. <laughs> it's literally a porn. Oh, so that's I emailed funny. Them, I emailed them and I was like, I'm so sorry. I just realized that this is not a film I'm comfortable doing and I have to pull out early. <laughs> wink, wink. Um, yeah, they did not respond to that. But I didn't show up because it was like they were trying to trick. They tricked yeah, that's young weird. actors into doing stuff like that because then they were expecting me to show up to set and then it's too awkward. So it's just like, OK, I'll just do it. Um, but yeah, that was a big lesson for me, I think, mainly not to apply for jobs on Craigslist. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So we had another actress on the show that had done a lot of improv work. She studied with Amy Poehler at Upright Citizens Brigade. And one of the things that she said she learned from Amy was that comedy isn't supposed to be funny. It's supposed to be truthful in being mm. in, in being truthful and uh, in being truthful. You find the comedy and wondering what your approach to comedy is. Does it come naturally to you or do you have a process? Oh, absolutely. To all that. Um Let's see. I've been doing comedy for 12 years. I started doing stand-up. I did stand-up for like a year. And that was my gateway drug into improv. Um, and yeah, I wouldn't say it came naturally to me at first. I've always been funny. Um, I was nominated for Class Clown one time, but then I lost <laughs> to this girl who's now a therapist. I'm like, that means there's this therapist out there who's funnier than me. Anyway, <laughs> I'm not resentful. Um, so I've always been funny, but I didn't, it, it is like a real skill of being on stage in the first place, but also like seeing patterns in things and yeah, truth in comedy. There's a whole book called truth in comedy because we find humor. We, we laugh at things because we see, um, we either relate to it or we see a connection, um, yeah, you have to be honest in comedy. That's what that's what makes things funny and relatable. And and that's how we heal is talking about things, the truth of things. And and you know, that's a good way to put it, uh, a way to heal, because a lot of mm -hmm. a lot of storytelling is processing, healing, you know, passing on traditions, those kinds of things. But circling back to improv, I'm curious because, you know, most people, when you think about improv, you automatically think of comedy. But I'm wondering if if you've had a chance to use improv as a tool in drama or a dramatic scene or, or that, you know, that kind of role. Oh, yeah. Um, I love doing scenes on stage where like at a quote comedy show, but then I'm actually crying. And I think like things can be funny even when they're sad. And in fact, if you're doing a sad scene and you have this tension and this real life ha like moment happening, and then a joke happens, it makes it even funnier. Because in real life, I've had moments where you're like at a funeral or something devastating just happened. But because you're in that deep darkness, then something funny happens and you're laughing harder than you've ever laughed. And I think that's the spectrum of life of being human is that we can experience these 
these low lows and these high highs at the same time. That's that's the beauty of it all. And you know, your your funeral references is, is interesting. Um because we were talking with a, 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 a gentleman who edits, directs and edits sitcoms. And he was talking about how the tension of the scene is, is also what drives the comedy. So, you know, you talk about, you know, it's like we, we all laugh in a, you know, as kids or teenagers in high school, when you're trying to be serious in a classroom and just the fact that you're supposed to be serious makes yes. it harder not to laugh. Yes. Um, so I think, um, I think, you know, using tension as sort of a springboard to, to create that comedy could be really interesting. Um, but, you know, pivoting just for a second to, you know, kind of another subject, um, I've seen you on some other podcasts and you have a real sense of gratitude for what you do and the life mm -hmm. you know you live and it's a tough business. So I'm curious, you have such a great attitude about it and such a good mindset. What do you do to keep yourself grounded? Thank you. Um, it's literally daily practice. And keep in mind, I'm showing the best parts of me. You don't see sure. me when I am like feeling down, like I didn't book something, like I'm never going to make it. Um, but, but I, I definitely have those moments. Um, but gratitude always pulls me out of it. Remembering that I'm not in this alone. There's so many other actors who are hustling and creating. And I mean, not even actors, all kinds of people in this industry um, that feel the same feelings I do. And I have to always remember and remind myself that regardless of success of quote unquote making it what does that even mean at the end of the day i am doing what i've always dreamed of doing which is acting which is making people laugh and getting to play dress up and play imaginary and i just have to remind myself like especially because i have been doing this for 12 years and there's been really amazing times and then really dark times um but it's it's all part of it. So, so as for what I do, um, it's a lot of journaling, a lot of gratitude check-ins every day. I love to meditate. I pull affirmation cards. I tell myself positive mantras. I do yoga. I work out. I mean, it's literally constant. I hate using the word work because it doesn't feel like work. It's like constant nourishment to my soul and, and reminding myself why I do it. And I, I always have the goal to, whether I'm on stage or making a TikTok or um, whatever it is, filming something, I tell myself to take the pressure off of myself. If I help one person, if I make one person laugh, one person smile, then I did what I need to do. And that needs to be the purpose. That's actually really cool. And that kind of brings me to my next question, which was, you know, I've seen you've done a lot of work both into in the traditional space as well as the digital, where, you know, in the digital, you'll probably get more instant feedback on your work. And mm -hmm. I've seen you mm -hmm. were in a Darman video, for example, which yeah. if people don't recognize the name, I'm sure they stumble across his videos at some point on their Facebook timeline, for example, or TikTok at this point. Um, I'm curious, you know, how is working in the two spaces, traditional and digital, different? Are they more similar than we, what we may expect? What was your experience like? Yeah. Um, I also was in a lot of BuzzFeed videos, like back when BuzzFeed was first becoming a thing. That was a lot of my oh, first acting jobs. Yeah. Um, they're so similar. It, it's filmmaking and even TikToks. I'm like, this is filmmaking. You, you have an idea, you execute it, you edit it, you put it out. Maybe it's not what you wanted, but you're always getting better. 
And I think doing all kinds of jobs is really what makes an actor better. Or, you know, again, it could apply to writers and directors. It, it, when you're doing different mediums and you're working with different people, it just makes you better. All of these skills that I have, singing, dancing, hosting, improv, stand-up, it's like some people are like, oh, I don't, I don't want to do a bunch of different things because I want people to know me for one thing. I, I hear that, but I also believe that having all of these different skills makes you multifaceted and you can, you understand things in the business a little more because you've been on, on both sides of it. Well, and, and, you know, it's, it's kind of cliche to say this, but as an actor, your body is the instrument. And so mm -hmm. the more skills you have, um, the more you can bring to the table for a given part, which, which leads me to another question. I've asked this to, to actors before, and I'm curious what your take on it is, you know, acting isn't just about, you know, speaking the lines and, and mm -hmm. following the, you know, doing the action that's in the script and things like that. It's about body language. It's about choices. It's about, you know, how do I walk? How do I, what's the timber of my voice? What? So I'm mm -hmm. curious when you're reading a script and you're thinking, okay, I'm going to bring this character to life do you have a process where you take notes you know and if so what kind of notes what do you look for in the script that's 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 between the lines I guess is the question mm. in order to create a character mm -hmm. um point of view is is a huge thing like oh explain that yeah what do you mean exactly yeah like what is this person's view on life so oh, interesting for example if it's like a script about because I just read something like this, like a TikTok star who wants to be famous. Okay, how she sees the world stereotypically is like wanting to make everything into content or wanting fame, wanting likes, wanting to be liked. Um, and so if I'm reading a script and it seems like the character is going one way and then they kind of change and they're not following their point of view, that's always interesting to me because I'm like, that's, you set up something, but then didn't follow through. So I like to see when a character is written true to the point of view that was intended. But if it's not, um, I will sometimes take control of that and change the lines or improv something um, or, you know, change the emotion of it. Honestly, improv feeds a lot of my of my acting career. It's listening. It's yeah, what you said, body language, emotion, um, and point of view. So, what was improv like when you first started? I, I, um, my, I've got this sort of philosophy that everybody, every everybody should take either in college or high school uh, a speech class where you have to get it up in front of people and talk because most uh -huh. people are so terrified of that. And it's you can use that in any business, not you know, an actor, public speaker any business, if you're good talking to people, it's going to help you. So yeah. it sounds like growing up, you were interested in acting and did a lot of acting. So maybe it was no big deal, but improv sounds scary. So what oh. was it like when you started? <laughs> oh, I was so afraid of improv, especially because <laughs> I did stand up for a year and stand up, you're by yourself, you know what you're going to say. If you do incredible, it that's on you. If you bomb, that's on you. So it was really scary for me to honestly trust other people and, oh, and to not have something planned was really terrifying. Um, and I have, I have anxiety. So I sometimes will get stuck. Like 
analysis paralysis of like thinking about all the different ways that things can go. And improv taught me just make a choice, make one choice and keep going and like trust yourself, trust the people around you, trust your instincts and just make a choice and then keep going and keep making different choices. And you can always, you can always change things. Like just because you've decided something doesn't mean you're, you're stuck. Um, That's, that's interesting because you're right. Indecision can be uh, crippling. Oh yes. And perfectionism too. I think those, those go hand in hand. It's like, it's so much safer to do nothing and not decide anything than to make something and have it suck and learn from it and then do it again. So I've really, I'm trying to just squash perfectionism. Um, That has been my, my kind of personal mission for the past few years. And it's, it's really, it's freeing. That's interesting. That's a really interesting attitude. I'm, I'm, I am going to have to process that. That, That's probably good (laughs) advice. Um, So, you know, speaking of, of, you know, acting as a career, I want to pivot Mm -hmm. back to something more practical. and, And I ask this because I'm, massively unorganized and I'm always struggling for the proper to-do list app and those <laughs> things like that. So as an actress and a comedian, you know, mm-hmm. you, you are essentially your own business, you yes. know, right. You, you do it because you're passionate about it. You do it because mm-hmm. it brings you joy and, and, and you, you love what you do, but it's again, also a business. So do you, and again, this is just a practical question. How do you track auditions? How do you network, make connections? Do you, do you, you know, keep that in a journal? Do you use, you know, apps on your phone to sort of organize your life. I'm I'm just curious if that's a thing. Yeah, great question. I have a Excel sheet that I have listed of all the casting directors that have brought me in and oh, nice. for what. Um, and yeah, I only started doing that in the last few years, and it is really helpful to see like who is bringing me back because that's always a good thing, and who maybe hasn't. Maybe I need to reach out or have my reps reach out to. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like IMDB pro is, is a creative's best friend because you can see who's casting what, and then reach out to them, get people's contact information. But yeah, tracking, tracking auditions is, is really helpful. Staying kind of like on the behind the scenes part of the business. I'm curious because you've done, of course, in front of camera work as an actress, but you've also done PA work and you've been Mm -hmm. a writer on stuff and projects. I'm curious, you know, if you weren't an actress, what off-screen role intrigues you the most or would you find yourself wanting to do maybe now in your career, later on in your career? I'm laughing because like literally nothing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like I need to perform. I need to. But I I guess if I were to cooperate and answer the question, I would probably be a writer because it's like the closest thing to creating and performing. Um, but I do strongly believe that if you want to be in this industry and you want to be good in this industry, you should do all kinds of jobs because I have learned so, so, so much from, I was an intern at Conan um, for six months and that was crazy cool. I was in the talent department and the monologue department. So basically that meant I, for the talent department, I set up the green room. I welcomed all of the celebrity guests and um, kind of made sure they were okay. Um, and I was, for the monologue department, I would write the the setups to the jokes. So I would like go through the news every day, every morning and see 
what would turn into jokes. And that, that was at the beginning of me moving to LA and, and that internship truly has helped and fueled so much because I've seen what goes into a successful show, which is so many different people. And I've worked with casting before I've sat in on auditions and that is so helpful to see the different choices that actors make and why it works, why it doesn't, um, seeing how people's nerves and professionalism and preparedness affects their audition. And yeah, I just think doing all kinds of things in this industry helps you do the, the, the one thing that you truly want to do because then you have more understanding and empathy for the amount of work that goes into all the different trades within the industry. Especially with, with filmmaking, there are so many mechanics involved. I'm sure it is mm-hmm. helpful to, you know, work on a set as a, a PA or, or, you know, you know, have different roles just to see how the whole machine comes together. And in some ways that informs you as an actress um, and probably helps you pace yourself and, you know, be ready when you're, you know, when it's t- your time to be on scene and or, or on camera rather and that kind of thing. So I, I imagine that makes a lot of sense. Oh, um, yeah. Um, all the the at-home self-tapes has also helped me a lot in my career because doing self-tapes, we have to now understand lighting and um, camera placement and angles and eye lines. All these things that when you used to just go into an audition, you would just stand on your mark, look at your reader and deliver the line. And self-tapes has really helped me become a better actor because I'm understanding all of these different things that are important, like sound and light and you know all of that stuff that maybe we didn't really think about as actors before. And you realize you realize how much the right camera angle and good oh, sound yeah. can make or break a performance. It may not be the performance, it just may be, you know, the technical side of it that's hindering something. Oh yeah, if you have bad sound on a self-tape like that it's hard to watch. They can't watch it. It's like it's all so important. I can I ask you guys a question? Sure. I'm curious how you both got into filmmaking. Oh gosh, and what um, your journey has been. Yeah, That's Andrew, you want to first? Yeah, I mean, I think me and Jeff both have similar answers. Um, which was uh, at least for me, you know, I was growing up in middle school watching YouTube videos and <laughs> um, wanting to be a YouTuber and just teaching myself, you know, how to make videos. So you know, you just kind of teach yourself how to work a camera, how to edit a video, and it just mm-hmm. kind of evolved from there for me. What yeah, kind it, of YouTube videos did you make or do you make? Um, back in the day, I think, it, you know, we were like recreating movie scenes from, you know, what, you know, the Fast and Furious movies or, or you know, whatever it could be. I mean, we were maybe 10, 11 years old. So just riding oh. around on our bikes and just shooting whatever we could. And thankfully, like with Jeff, we'll get into his story. I was shooting digital, so I didn't have to worry about film and whatnot. So it was really just... Mm beating it up and, and just learning the, the ropes mostly. So just recreating movie scenes and then eventually, you know, graduating into high school to making my own short films, basically. Awesome. Oh, so cool. Yeah. And, and mine's very similar. I, um you know, I grew up and just, you know, love the ideas of storytelling. My dad always told me stories when I was a kid. Um, he was a literary uh, professor and teacher and he would, he would, so I didn't grow up with comic books, you know, my comic books were, uh, like El Cid and the Odyssey. And, you know, my dad was reading us all, me and my brother, all these stories, but he would, he would swap the main character for him. He would claim these stories were about him. Oh, so, that's awesome. yeah, yeah. So I got drawn into storytelling and, um, 
my dad, uh, you know, rented a camera from the college he, he taught at. And I started making little movies with my friends and, um, yeah, kind of went from there, financed my first feature and went out and made that. And just, you know, just, you know, kind of like you, you just go out and make it happen. And, uh, but, uh, but, you know, speaking of of those kinds of things, uh, I have another question. Mm -hmm. Um, so sometimes Andrew and I've talked about this before. Sometimes when we're writing, you'll hit a zone where, honestly, it doesn't feel like you're writing. It feels like mm. you're dictating. You just hit a zone and the ideas are coming so fast mm-hmm. that literally it's like you're dictating and and not actually writing. I'm curious if, if that has happened for you as an actress where you were in a scene, it could be improv, it could be a movie, TV show, it does, doesn't matter what the performance was. But I'm curious if you had an experience like that, that you just were in that zone. And when you came out, you're just like, what just happened? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's like the sweet spot. Um, yeah, I mean, creating is so, it's a spiritual act. And yeah, when you hit that zone where you're like, I, this is just coming out of me, I'm not even choosing what's happening. It's like, that's such a cool moment. Um, I remember my audition for Pink Skies Ahead, um, where I did my scene with Mary J. Blige. That was one of the coolest days I've ever had on set. Because Tell us about that. Yeah, tell us. I, so I was playing a girl in a group therapy. And like I said, I went to rehab. So when I auditioned for this part, I was not acting. I was reliving. I was using my actual experience and just like, I remember what group therapy is like. I remember the girls in, in those circles. Um, So I was just like tapping into kind of my younger self, my former self. And it was so healing and cathartic to do that scene, first of all, like even just as the audition, and then to be on set with Mary J. Blige in a movie. It was the first movie that I actually auditioned for and not tweeted for. That was cool. It was like a full, (laughs) it was a full circle moment of like, my shitty past experience that that I never thought I would talk about publicly that I was so ashamed of for so long is the exact thing that is is why I'm on set and why I'm able to feel these these feelings so that day did not feel like acting in a good way because it was just so cathartic and so it was like I know I'm gonna book this because I've lived this this is not this is like yeah, it was it was very, very healing and beautiful. So we have a lot of young folks who listen to the show and they may be wondering about more of your early earlier career. So I kind of want to rewind back to when you first moved to L.A. and maybe what you would consider your big break. Maybe it's a certain job or role, but maybe it's a note you got from a casting director for a role you didn't get, but was encouraging enough for you to keep going, for example. Mm-hmm. Well, the first TV gig I ever booked that was a big that felt like a big break um and that story is very cool so I auditioned for this commercial in um like yeah probably four or five years into being in LA auditioned for this commercial and then I show up to the commercial um audition and they're like oh the the dates have changed and I actually couldn't do the dates because I was going to Burning Man so I was like, okay, I mean, I'm here. I drove all the way to Santa Monica. I'll just audition. So I did this audition, which was mostly improv. And because there was no stakes, I killed it. 
And then like, obviously I didn't get it because I couldn't do it. But then a year or two later, um, that same casting director reached out to me because he was casting Not Safe with Nikki Glaser. And I auditioned and I booked it. Oh, wow. And that was the first TV job I ever booked. And I love this story because it's like, you truly never know, which is why, and my advice to young people is like, do your best, always do your best, even if you can't do the dates, even if it's, it's non-union and you're sad because things change. Like maybe that short changes from non-union to sad, or maybe the dates change, or maybe they think of you for another project. So I really think the the secret sauce to this industry is trying everything, putting yourself out there, um, trusting the process, always getting better, like embracing a growth mindset instead of like fixed needing to be um, perfect. There's a there's another story that sticks out when you ask that question. Um, I was hired to write for this. It was like a it was a pilot presentation for a roast, and I was doing a lot of stand up at the time and a lot of writing. I, I had a big like following on Twitter where I wrote a lot of jokes, and so because of my Twitter and my tweets, I got asked to write for this roast show, and it was with Theo Vaughn was on the dais and. Um, a bunch of like amazing comics and so we go to the pitch meeting for the writers and everyone all the writers are reading their jokes that they prepared and I put so much time and effort into watching all of the Comedy Central roasts and just really dissecting what makes a good roast joke what is funny um and I wrote all these really good jokes and I pitched them they got a lot of laughs and I was just happy to be a writer happy to be there then two hours after that meeting, I'm getting my hair done and I get a call from one of the producers. And basically he says, we all talked after that meeting and we were so blown away with your jokes that we want you to be on the dais. So then oh, I went wow. from, yeah, I That's went from crazy. being a writer to then performing on this show, being a part of the pilot, getting paid. I think that was the first time I really like got paid to write jokes and perform my jokes with Theo Vaughn it was like it was so cool and they called me the the Cinderella of the whole shoot because it was like <laughs> yeah it was it was so cool and again another lesson in just doing your best having a good attitude being grateful to be there and like you truly you just never know who's watching who's listening and who's rooting for you that's true that's true yeah and you know kind of staying on the you know, subject of unexpectedness. I'm curious, as an actress, you've probably done many different roles, many diverse projects. Are there any weird or unexpected skills you've learned or required just through roles or, uh, yeah, roles or projects you've booked? Hmm, it's a good question. Well, it's not because of job I booked, but a recent skill that I've really tapped into is my impressions, celebrity impressions. Oh, yeah, I saw and, those. Uh, yeah, they're good. Yeah, they're really good. Yeah, thank you. And that started because of the pandemic. And then it got even further because of the strike, because I was like, I have all this time at home. I want to create. I want to perform. And I was starting to get into voiceover at the time. 
Um, so then I became really, really obsessed with listening to people's voices and their pitch and their tone and again, their point of view. Um, and yeah, so because of TikTok, I've become really kind of obsessed with celebrity impressions and voices. And that has really helped my voiceover career. Um, and yeah, I'm starting to build a, a following on TikTok, which I never thought would happen, but it's really cool and it's really fun. Well, where can people find you? I know you've got your Instagram account, uh, TikTok. How do people find you and follow your work? Yeah, follow me on Instagram at Leah Knauer, L-E-A-H-K-N-A-U-E-R. And it's the same on TikTok. And um, I have a podcast. We're not currently recording, but there's so many juicy episodes. It's called Basic Witches. It's about witchcraft, female empowerment, sexuality, um, manifestation. And we recorded that at the comedy store for a few years. And we oh, had cool. some amazing guests. So yeah, listen to Basic Witches and yeah, follow me on TikTok, Instagram. And I perform all the time in Los Angeles. I'm also performing in Ireland in November. Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, tell, tell us about that. What is that about? Um, my all-female musical improv team, Adele Dezine, we are performing at the Improv Fest Ireland in Dublin on November 18th. So if you guys have been to Ireland before and you want to give me some good things to do, I'm all ears. <laughs> I've never been and I'm so excited. Well, let's put that on, on the calendar. I'd love to have you back on the show and, and hear how that went. That sounds exciting. Ooh, that sounds yes. really cool. I know. I'm really excited. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, well, Leah, you've been a delight to talk to. We've been following your career since we connected and and you're doing a lot of great work. And you've got, as I said before, such a great attitude about about the work and, and living the life of an artist. So thank you so much for joining us. And if you're ever down uh, Austin Way, you uh, look us up and we'll, uh, we'll uh, meet in person. Oh, yes. Love it. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. Thank you for listening to the Filmmaker Mixer podcast, a podcast created and hosted by filmmakers Jeff Stolen and Andrew Lamping and produced by Melody Lopez. Our theme song was composed by a man who knows that Bumble's belts, Stephen D. Bennett. Make sure to follow or subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to us on and stay tuned for future episodes.